Hey everybody, John Millen here with Benefit Hackers. I'm really excited to have Juliana Stokursky on with us today. She is from Ellis Pond and she is what's called a chaos killer. And you will learn more about what she does here in a second. But I want to give uh, first thanks, Juliana, for coming on to the, to the podcast with us. I know it's been a crazy couple weeks, probably for you in Tennessee as well, right? And uh, yeah. So a little background that uh, I wanted to get this message out to all of our clients and all of the people we talk to and help right now. We've gone into more of a helping mode. A lot of companies have hunkered down. I don't know if you've seen that. So I wanted to introduce everyone to you, you and your firm and your company. You can tell them about it in just a second. But Juliana came in um, beginning of last year, 2019, around March-ish, April-ish, I think. And we had her help our company really identify what was our market, what was our messaging, who are our ideal clients, um, what do we stand for. And the marketing piece is very different than a sales piece. So I used to think marketing and sales were the same thing. So, so first, Julian, I tell everyone about um about what you guys do and then i'll get into a couple questions i have for you if you're if that's okay yeah absolutely you know what our goal is to prevent businesses from committing random acts of marketing and i know john when you and i first started working together there were a lot of random acts of marketing that had come out of your business and it wasn't because you were being malicious i think it was just the idea that you hadn't honed in on exactly who you wanted to help and how your company was going to serve them at the highest level that it got very easy to be distracted by, if you want to call it shiny object syndrome. Um, for me, I think yep. it's people are held back by fear. They see an opportunity for a client or an opportunity for a paycheck or a commission check or however you get compensated in your business, and they gravitate towards that. They fail to ask the question if that relationship or if that business deal is truly the best thing for your business because they're blinded in the moment by the excitement of a potential contract. So what we do is we help businesses stay away from those random acts of marketing by killing the chaos in their business, and we use the Chaos Killer Framework. And that's something that, John, you and your team, we work through together in a workshop at the beginning of the last year, and there are four components to the framework. Is that something that's okay for me to, to share with your audience? Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, yep. one of the things that you already mentioned this, the very, very first thing, and this is where a lot of people get things wrong, the first thing you need to do when you want to get serious about your marketing is you need to get very, very clear about whom it is that you serve. It is always about your audience. And so before you even start thinking about what you can bring to market or what product you could offer or how you could help, the very first thing you need to do is get a very clear understanding of whom you serve. Um, we sometimes call that your avatar or your ideal client. I like to use the term hero client because you really want to create a, the, you, you really want to understand the hero's journey that they will be going on and how you as an expert in your field can help guide them along that journey. So step one to the framework is getting a really solid understanding of whom you serve. Okay, let me ask you a quick question. Of all the people you talk sure. to, how many, how many companies yeah. are really clear on that part? Um, I would say less than 10%. And that is probably very generous because a lot of people say, wow. well, everybody could benefit. And I, 
I don't know, John, you might have been one of those people that said, sure, everybody needs what I have. And the, and the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, they probably could use or could benefit, right? But we both know, especially after our work together, that how you serve the people that you help most is not everybody in their dog. It is a very specific type of company that has very specific attributes that are working in a very specific geographical region that you can bring the most value to. And it was once we kind of put some of those um, boundaries and those structures around the definition of whom you served that it got so much easier to identify who they were. We knew exactly what words to use to talk to them. We knew where they were, so we knew where to be putting our message. And so it all starts with your audience. Who is that group of people or who is that type of business or group of businesses that you want to be helping? So number one, identify whom you serve. Let me say though, on that, if you, you ask me that question and I'm in the sales guy, I'm like anybody that has employees, three employees, a thousand employees, right? And it was hard for me to let that go because I thought I could sell my way through it. And I probably have been doing that, but is that the business we want to build? And so you, what you did is you, ask questions and you and you ask who we worked with in the past and you said where did it really go well where did it not go well and we i remember we had a discussion initially it was supposed to be laura and myself and you and we brought our team up to the conference room and it was just supposed to be like hey here's juliana all right everyone go back to work and then we quickly realized wait a minute you could get you could glean a lot of information is that something well let me hold that thought for now as you go let's keep going on your your four steps Perfect. Well, you actually gave me a great segue into this, John, because the second thing, number one, is whom do you serve? The second one is taking that look inside and identifying who you are as a business. And that's going to be working on a little bit of core value work. What do you stand for? What's most important to you? How do you want to present to the market? And being very clear and just drawing a line in the stand that says, hey, our company we serve in this manner, right? This is what's important to us. It's important that our clients have a benefit, not just they make a little bit of money or maybe you know they have that net positive transaction, but being really clear. So number two, that, I wasn't very articulate about that, so I apologize. So number two is understanding who you are as a business and being very clear and putting words around that, words that you are willing to write and sharpie on your wall if you need to as that daily reminder of who you are as a company. And that was hard too. That was challenging to get the words because we were kind of, we kind of had pieces and you were able to, I don't know if that's common. Is it common that people have the words right away or does that have to be flushed out? No, it usually has to be flushed out because most people know what general niche they work in. I work in benefits or I provide, um, you know, just health insurance or I provide supplemental insurance or, you know, we could do a completely different industry. Say I build custom homes. And we say that, and I have a lot of assumptions as a business owner what that means. My clients might have a lot of assumptions on what that means because here's the thing. If you don't define yourself in the market, you will allow other people's assumptions to define you. And that's a very scary place to be because you want to make sure that the message that's coming from your business is exactly the words and exactly the message you want people to associate with your business. You don't want to leave it up to other people. That's part of your power as a business owner, is letting the, know, letting the word know, world know who you are 
and what's important to you and how you can serve others in your community. Wow, that's powerful. That's really cool. All right, so first is who's your client? Who do you serve? Um, less than 10%, probably get that right, and I would, I would agree. Two is who are we? What are your core values? What's important to you? All right, so you're looking yeah. inward. Third thing is how do you serve? And an easy way to look at this is what products or services do you offer the market? You serve the market by selling or having an exchange of value the products and services that you offer. And so perhaps it is a product I sell, I don't know, tires, for example. Um, perhaps it is a service. For example, I have some CPAs, and so they sell their accounting and their tax services to people. But understanding how you serve is the third component. And really that has to deal with your offers, the products or services, how you package them to present to your audience. Interesting. Okay. Number, number, Just number four. Just a little side note on that. Um, we sometimes spend a lot of time getting caught up in our offers because simply to say I offer marketing consulting or I offer tax services or I offer custom home building is super, super broad. And there are a lot of different products or producting that can happen as, for example, if you bundle services or if you have um, multiple like widgets, if you're in the physical product world that can be put together, you can spend a lot of time putting together offers that fit underneath that umbrella of your main um, niche that you serve, your main umbrella of services, if you will. Yeah, because you ask people what do they do, they build a house, they sell insurance, they do marketing, cons branding, consulting, it's very broad. I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have, I have a trick when I work with people, I have always asked them. So my very first question is if I give you money, what do I get? And I want the clients, the people that I work with to be able to answer me succinctly. So if I give you money, what do I get? I want you to be able to say you get an audit of the past three years of your taxes plus a, a recommendation on next steps on how you should set up your books. And then if you pay X, Y, and Z, I will take care of your bookkeeping for the next year, whatever. But you need to be able to tell me if I give you money, what type of service or product I get in exchange. The second thing I always ask is, all right, now that we know what, ha what happens if I give you money, I need to know which one of my friends do you want to talk to. And that gets very specific. It kind of echoes back to that step one on whom do you serve. I want you to be able to tell me, Juliana, I want to talk to all your friends that have companies that have this many employees that are in these industries that are in this geographic area. And then I can say, great job. I'll introduce you to my friend, Michael, or what have you. Because if, if until you can um, speak in those succinct terms and have those clear definitions, you're, you're living in chaos and you're getting lucky with your lead generation. You're not being strategic and actively bringing leads into your business. Is that where the random acts of marketing comes in? Like you just, your people throw, just throw it out there and hope and pray? Yeah, random act of marketing. Another way is um, I say pasta marketing where you just kind of throw it against the wall and you hope that something sticks. Um, a hallmark of this, if, if you're a company wondering, man, I don't know if I do this or not, I would encourage you to take a look at how much money you've spent on your marketing um, in the past, say, six months or past two years 
and ask yourself how many deals or sales or however it is that you measure conversions in your business, you're able to trace back to that marketing. And if you're not able to say with certainty from these campaigns came these clients or from these interactions came these clients, that means any sort of money that you've put into your marketing has been unfocused. And I should clarify a little bit more. I'm speaking about specific campaigns. So if you paid money to run an ad in the newspaper or paid money for a billboard or you paid money to run Facebook ads for you, someone to run Facebook ads for you, things like that, um, there is... My, my branding friends are going to get really mad at me if I tell them you spent money and, you know, nothing happened as a result of it. There are some basic housekeeping things you want to make sure to build a strong and memorable brand. But when we get to marketing activities, things that are designed to generate leads, it's really important mm -hmm. to know how to measure what you're doing. A very easy way to measure is to see how much money you're spending and where you're spending it and to see what type of conversion you're getting, what type of wins. Um, are coming into your business because of that effort and because of that spend. Wow. I bet a lot of people do a lot of random marketing, spend money, and not know where it's coming from and think they're doing the right thing because I'm marketing. Right, right. And the hardest thing about that, John, is people will spend money on marketing. Good things are happening, so that's great. But they don't know where the good things came from. And so they don't know how to focus their efforts because if they were to stop the right, the wrong thing, does that make sense, right? Um, those leads could go away because if you can't, if, you, if you're doing five different things in your marketing and you don't know which place your leads are coming from, you don't know where to focus your attention. So you are, you are bound to have to spend money in all those five areas or else you risk losing ground. Um, and so that can be, you know, something to transition out of with some testing. It's not an irreparable case by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not a very efficient way to market your product or services. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we got, who's your, who do you serve? Who are we? Mm -hmm. How do we serve them? And what's the fourth piece? Mm -hmm. So the last component of the KS Color framework is having a real understanding of the transformational benefit your client has because you agreed to enter that relationship. And I said a little bit earlier, people these days expect a net positive transaction. If I go to the store and I buy a gallon of milk for $3 or however much a gallon of milk costs today, I expect to have a gallon of quality milk, right? I, that, that's what we anticipate when we take a look at commodities. When we enter into an arrangement with our clients, though, it has to be something other than I got my quote-unquote money's worth. It must be I received value to my company as a specific result of engaging in business with you. So we talk about a transformational benefit as opposed to a net positive transaction. When we talk about the attributes of a transformational benefit, obviously, Revenue can be a part of that. I made more money as a result of working with this person, so that's always good. But there are intangibles that are wins as well. My team and I are on the same page with regards to our message. My team and I have clarity to know exactly what needs to be done and when it needs to happen. My team and I know how to measure our successes so that we can make decisions as a company on where we need to put our focus and 
other places where we need to back off a little bit or perhaps even retire products or services that are no longer serving us in our current iteration. So the fourth component of the chaos killer framework is understanding that transformational benefit your clients receive as a result of working with you. Is that a hard one to flush out too for most people or is that an easy one? People that are passionate about their business and have truly brought something to the market that they believe in and they know provides value to the clients that they serve, it's a very easy conversation. They may never have actually put words to paper, but in our work together, we ask a few questions. You, and you know who they are, John. They light up. They are so excited and passionate about their niche that being able to communicate what could happen if people who are not their clients yet only knew the great things as a result of working together, they light up. And so it's not a difficult conversation at all. Um, it can be a little hard to kind of rein in and focus. But the business owners that are truly in business, truly in business, help make this world a better place, it's an easy component, easy component to identify. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Because yeah. it's almost like the question of why do you do what you do? Um, tell me a story of how you've helped mm -hmm. someone. Those are easy to regurgitate. But tell me who your, who your uh, core client might be. What attributes they have? Uh, that may be a little difficult because you've helped with so many different types of people. Right, right. And so being able to, and, and you experience it, when I work with clients, how we run our workshops involves asking the right questions at the right time. Because businesses that truly have a desire to scale and grow, businesses that truly have a desire to make the world a better place, understand that there are connections that for whatever reason they just haven't been able to put together, and they need that outside influence to help them get to the next level. And so the words, the meaning, the heart of their business, it's within their business. I don't bring meaning to business. I help draw out the words and provide the language to articulate those feelings and um, the, the, the value and the benefit that they are, have been trying to communicate. But for whatever reason, they just get so stuck in the weeds, they're tongue-tied. And so that's how I come in to help. No, it's great. It was... Um... It was pretty amazing for us to go through the process because I had never experienced it. I had never had a marketing expert, but some people on my team have, right? You know those people and they were in the meeting and they were afterwards, I was like, what'd you think? And they were like, oh my gosh, this, for 30 years I've been through branding and, and value prop and all this and you were able to encapsulate it, which was, there was meaningful results at the end. We had work to do afterwards, but I will tell you, um, the reason we had our best year ever last year was a large part because you helped us focus on our core client. You got our messaging really tight. And when we had outside things come in and go, we want your attention, I was able to say, no, no, we don't, that's not our space. And before I would have chased it because I'm trying to grab it. And you had said something about you, you, you become a magnet or something. Like you said, when you do that, when you, Say that again. I forget how you said it. You become a magnet for things. Yeah. So what happens is that when you know exactly whom you serve and how you serve them, you attract your best clients. And not only do you attract your best clients, you are able to wield the power of no to repel those contracts or clients or opportunities that do not align with who you are and whom you serve. I believe strongly that having a philosophical alignment with your business and whatever business you choose to partner with for your mutual growth, 
right, John, because your business gets better when you sign a good deal and their business gets better because of the value that you bring, right? It's a mutually beneficial relationship whenever you choose yeah. to engage a new client. And so it's really important that you are philosophically aligned. And you can't be philosophically aligned if you don't have a strong sense of whom you serve and how you serve them. There, there's no way you can line up because you don't have the framework. And once you have the framework and you can look at an opportunity and say, does this fit or does this not, that gives you a tremendous amount of power in your business because you can say with confidence, hey, we're not a good fit. Genuinely, we're not a good fit. And perhaps you can make another connection where they are a better fit for someone else that might be in your space or in your industry. I think it's a great service potential clients that are not philosophically aligned with you, that are not your hero client, to let them know early on that you are, 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 are so appreciative, right? Because we never want to be um, off-putting or rude. You know, we appreciate the opportunity mm -hmm. to work with them. But in the long term, if they're not a good fit for you at the beginning, they're not going to be a good fit for the duration of the relationship. And that, that's an inherently uncomfortable position to be in. Yeah. I would say my recommendation to anyone listening to this or watching this, it can feel overwhelming, right? All these four components, you might be like, we were like, oh my gosh, we haven't done any of this. I would say to use you, if I had to pick one area, like I only got you for a sliver of time, I would say the whole who do we serve piece, the first one, because that was really liberating for us to be in a meeting and to be disrespected or to be talked rude or whatever, just you could tell the fit was not there. And to know in my brain, this is not a hero client to come back to the office with one of our new producers and they wanted to maybe still work it. I said, this is not a hero client. The whole terminology of the company is this is not a hero client. Got us all on the same page. And that was really, that was really empowering. And I don't think a lot of businesses do that. I think they, they're like, hey, if it's a client, take them. If it's revenue, take them. If it's this, especially now with what's right. going on. And that was really helpful. Right. You know, John, you bring up another component that's so important and a lot of businesses overlook. I think when your business grows to the point where it's more than just you and your spouse, for example, working a business and you have team members, if you haven't taken the time to tell your team what the language of your company is, for example, is this a hero client? And here are the attributes of a hero client. Again, you're leaving those definitions up to however many brains you have on your team to, to, just, to just create their own idea of who your company is and how your company helps people. And it might not be the same definition that you and, that you and whatever other founders you have in your company intended. And so one of the benefits of the workshop, not only does it give you strong language to go to the market, it aligns your team so that everybody knows what your company does. Um, an analogy I like to use is that if I were to go to a dinner party or to a cocktail hour, I mean, I'm sure you've been to those networking events, right, where you've got a bunch of people. If I were to talk to every person on your team, I would want to know that every person on your team works for the same company because the language and how they describe the service, how they describe how they um, benefit the community or what products that they offer are the same. So if you have four team members and we go to that networking cocktail party and I speak to the four of them independently, 
I should hear the same type of language, the same descriptions for your company, the same descriptions for your products and services from all four of those people. That's only going to happen if you as a business owner empower them with the language and the concepts and those core philosophies to be able to engage in comfortable conversation and be on the same page. Wow, that is so dead on because I remember you brought that up. That's why I was smiling our first little meeting. If I was in, you brought the, and I remember you asking it and I'm like, oh crap, we're all going to be, we're all on different pages and you might even have gone around and asked each, but hey, that's what happens. That's, that's why you bring in right. a specialist. That's why if you need your knee replaced, you go to a specialist that works on knees and you don't go to Google it and talk to your neighbor. You break, you, you pay for the expertise to get the right information. And that was really, exactly. you, you remember how we were at first, right? I was like, oh, geez, we're all over the place. But by two days, we're like, yeah. and that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I felt very confident at the end of our workshop together that everyone in that room had a solid understanding of whom they served, who you were as a company, how you served your clients, and the transformational benefits your clients could expect if they chose to engage in business with you. And so that was a huge win for me to fly back to Nashville after engaging that, knowing that we had done really good work together. But the mm -hmm. true payoff, if you will, is when we got to talk a few months later and you had shared that the revenue was exponential, that the power you had in your company to just have that sniper-specific focus on exactly who you wanted to attract to your company as, as a lead, as a client, and being able to leverage that information to your best sales year ever, and also be able to have full control of your lead generation process and not be dependent on, you know, somebody's feeling whether they wanted to send you referrals or not. You know, you want to make sure that as a business owner, you own the processes and you own the ability to go and get new clients and you are not dependent on somebody else's mood or, you know, just, just the, the economy in general because otherwise it's just a very, it's, it's, it's tenuous. And especially now, we have to be very intentional about how we bring leads into our company and how we exercise that power. Absolutely. I'm going to circle on one thing, then I'm going to go to, to, the, to the last topic, which is what's going on right now around the world. Yeah. Um, so I remember having a conversation with a large national health insurance agency consultant, friend, friend of mine. And they were explaining this company that they're working with. And I think during the conversation, I said, man, that just does not seem like a hero client. And they said, a what? I said, a hero client. Like there's certain cl clients we work with. They have to value their employees' assets. Their benefit spend is an investment, not a liability. They have to make tough choices. And they verbalized and said, no, no, we have to go after everybody. Like there is no narrowing. And I'm like, how sad is that, that, or how luckily we are to know that that's not someone we're going to go after because they were going to cause a lot of pain and know who we're going after. So right. it was striking. Right. The difference. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. It's the power of no and being the power of um, having a very solid definition of whom you are and whom you serve. And another thing I want to stress is that simply because we go through the exercise and at the beginning of 2019, we came to these decisions and 2019 was an amazing year. I would expect in 2020 we grow on that. But John, as your business 
grows or evolves over time, it's something that you're going to want to revisit because if you and Laura decide that you want to change directions in your business, if you decide that you need to pivot, if in light of this crazy pandemic precautionary world that we're living in right now, you need to make some hard choices for your business and say, well, this is the reality we live in. Here's how we're going to make our best decisions to move our company forward. Then you take a moment, you go through the framework, you do the best you can with what you have, and then you take next steps to generate leads that fit that. It's not set in stone. It can be a living, breathing document, but the point is, is that you want to have a solid understanding where your foundation is so that you can continue to grow and scale in a responsible manner. Great. That's a great segue because I think this is going to be the most important part. Although that, up till now, it's been really good. We have a lot of, I have a lot of clients. There's a lot of businesses all over the nation that have had their business model totally disrupted. So mm -hmm. what advice or what steps can you give someone that has had maybe it's a restaurant or a spa or a haircuttery salon or insurance or whatever, building homes like mm -hmm you've seen some ups and downs in your career over over time what what kind of things would you say to to business owners or executives right now that are in the midst of it um i think the very first thing to recognize is that nobody has ever done this before and that you by definition get a ton of grace as we all figure this out together so the first thing you need to do is take a breath and get yourself as calm as you possibly can and objective as you possibly can to go through the exercise of figuring out what next best steps are. The second thing that I would strongly encourage you to do is take a look at your core offer, understand the market that we are in. And if you're somebody like a restaurant where your leads literally have been 90% cut off, even if you have a strong community ties, you, you're just not doing the revenue that you are. You need to be very honest with yourself if this is something that you can reasonably weather with whatever reserves that you might have or whatever assistance the government might be giving for small business, or if now is the time to um, perhaps shudder with grace. And it's a horrible, horrible decision to make. But what I want to be very clear about is I know full well that I don't have full grasp of every business that's out there. I have a good friend that's a restaurateur in Seattle that's very well-respected. He had multiple restaurants. And somebody just said, well, you close down now, but you come back a little bit later and everything will be fine. And he said, I don't, I don't think you get it. Like it cost him $3 million, $3 million just to close because he had payroll, he had benefits, he had rent, he had all these, you know, vendors that needed to be taken care of. That in order to close down, it's not simply, I'm going to press pause and then start up again like nothing has ever happened. I know full well that that's not the circumstance. But looking from a marketing perspective on what next best steps ought to be, you need to ask yourself and assume, can I exist under these new constraints? In the state of Tennessee, we are under a stay-at-home mandate. That means if you are not engaged in an essential business, you are not supposed to be leaving your house right now. With that type of restriction, can your business as you knew it survive? The answer is no. You ask yourself, can my business with a pivot, maybe selling online or in some other fashion, survive? If the answer is no, then you need to say, all right, 
in order to take care of the people that I love, to take care of my family, to take care of the obligations, what options do I have to do the best I can with what I've got? And then you need to start your plan there. Yeah, it's hard. Is it? It's um, it's really good, honest advice though, because I've been thinking about that. There are some businesses that might not come back, and you can be positive and oh, optimistic, yeah. but you're right. If you're still paying rent and payroll, and it's burning through all of your income, and there's nothing coming in, um, it is a. T but it's a thing that the whole country is going through. The whole world, it seems like, is going through. Right. Is going through. And and the other thing is, um. If you haven't had an opportunity to be really um, intentional about your numbers, if you don't know what type of run rate you might have, for example, or if you don't know what type of pipeline you need to have in order to quote unquote survive in your business, you need to do a little bit of homework. Because as a business owner, as opposed to a hobbyist that happens to make money sometimes, it's vital during, with, with everything that's unknown, that you have a very solid grasp of what your numbers are and what they need to look like in order to actually keep your business alive um, to, to weather the storm. Yeah. I'll give it just two things we're doing. I don't know if it's, it's going to work or not, but it's what we're doing is um, initially we went into, I don't, I wouldn't say sales mode, but we were still trying to sell, like sell in a way of looking right. at, at packages, helping people out and people weren't, they were like, I'm, I'm not interested in talking. So we shifted into sharing mode, helping mode, giving content, trying to help them with things. That's one thing that's kind of kept our brains and our psyche going. The second thing we've done is we've, I've told my team, we got to get real creative. There are no sacred, sacred cows anymore. So it worked two months ago as our message, as our solution might have shifted. It might have pivoted, as you said. And to be aware and I'm telling them, if you have an idea, bring it up. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying we're going to use it, but I'm thinking of stuff. Wait a minute. This is now a new need that wasn't there. So how can we transform our business a little bit without shifting the entire model? What becomes the need where it wasn't a need before? And it's a little bit liberating because yeah. you have to think and you have to stay engaged. And it's not just about getting new revenue or getting new clients. It's about being creative. I don't know. We're seeing. Yeah, oh, no, I, I believe it's a Wayne Gretzky quote. Um, somebody asked him why he's, he's so successful, and he, he made the comment that he always goes. Oh, no, the, the question was, how do you always know where the puck is going to be? So, you know, you can make all these goals. And he says, no, I always go to where the puck is. And that's where really where we're at right now in business. It's the idea of that we need to pivot, not panic. And the idea that we can still provide value to the market provide value because of our expertise you might need to take inventory of what um, skills and areas of specific knowledge you have and yeah. be a little bit creative like you said with how can my skill set benefit the market that we are in right now but I'm confident that the business owners that are truly passionate of the service or product they have to bring to the market will be able to have um, an opportunity to share that it just might be a different channel than they had originally envisioned well, I'll tell you, this has been really valuable. And Julia, I know that people can reach you on LinkedIn, right? And also yeah. your website is ellispond.com. Where else can they reach you? Where where would they, where do you put up, where are you putting out content other than those two places right now? You know what, right now it is um, primarily LinkedIn and also uh, via the website. 
I am really excited because in two weeks I will be launching a new YouTube channel, the Chaos Killer YouTube, cha YouTube channel. And so there will be a lot of quick conversations where I do a deep dive into each of these four components of the framework, as well as sharing some practical, tactical tips to help move your business forward in online marketing. I'm glad. That's, that's going to be an awesome resource. So thank you again. Um, hey, guys, thanks for listening and watching. You can find this on our YouTube channel, on our podcast. And I would say, you know, reach out to Juliana, have a conversation. That's how our that's how our relationship started. You know, we met at an event. Okay. We had a conversation on the phone. She was great to kind of figure out where we needed and, you know, what if she could help, if she couldn't. So I would say right now, if I was a business owner and I don't know who my target market is and I think my message needs to change and I need to get on the same page with my team all growing, you better do it now. Mm -hmm because you wanna be ahead of the curve. The fact that we're already ahead of the curve, we're rolling through this, it's gotta be helpful to us because we're not trying to redo it. So if you're not there, now's a perfect time to do it. Juliana, thanks so much. Say hello to your team for us and I really appreciate it. Stay safe and we'll talk soon. Sounds like a plan. Thank you, John. Have a great rest of your day.